Welcome to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. When people really meet the true Jesus, they fall in love with the Word of God. The Bible becomes a very important part of their lives. They realize that the Bible is not the word of men. The Bible is actually the word of God, that it's a place that we receive the revelation of God. It's a place where we receive our instruction on how to live. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study in the book of Acts. Join us as Pastor Brian begins his teaching on Acts, chapter 2, verses 42 through 47, in a message titled, The Jesus People. Now, here's Pastor Brian. What we want to focus on today, we're going to look at some of the same verses that we looked at previously, but I want to just take a little bit of a different angle on it today, and I want us to see how these early believers, they really could accurately be identified as the Jesus people. That, that's really a good way to understand who they were. Their lives, their identity, their purpose revolved entirely around the purpose of Jesus Christ and the person of Christ. So their, their faith in Christ wasn't a, a side interest. It wasn't something added to their already busy lives, but Jesus became the absolute center of their lives. And so as we look at some of the things they were engaged in, I want to look at them from the standpoint of them being Jesus people. Now, they understood something that C.S. Lewis would later express when he said this. He said, Christianity, if false, is of no importance. And if true, of infinite importance, the only thing it cannot be is moderately important. That is an important statement. The only thing it cannot be is moderately important. Uh, You know, look, if it's not true, then it doesn't mean anything. If it is true, it is infinitely important. But in other words, to have sort of a a lackadaisical perspective or attitude toward Christianity, that really is, uh, it's not possible. I mean, you can, but but it's, it's the complete wrong response. And what we see with these people is that they understood that. So Christ, the gospel, the church, the mission, this became everything to them. Paul, the apostle, who will later come along, we're not there in the story yet, he will appear later in the story, but he would write one of his letters to the church in the city of Philippi, and in that letter, he would say this, he would say, for me to live is Christ. In other words, for Paul, his whole life, his entire life was now taken up with the person of Christ, and that's what we see with these here in the passage. This was the mindset that was being expressed by them. And so we see it worked out in the fact that they devoted themselves to these four things. So previously we looked at the things they devoted themselves to and the things that resulted from that. So today we want to focus more on the things they devoted themselves to. But like I said, I want us to see them just in a little bit of a different 
context. I want to see them more in a purely Jesus context. So it says that they devoted themselves, first of all, to the apostles' doctrine. So what is the apostles' doctrine? Well, you could say that it was the Jesus story. I mean, that after all, that's what the apostles were preaching. They were preaching Jesus. Now, technically, you could say that uh, it was the New Testament. We, we would say today that the New Testament is the apostles' doctrine. That's true. But remember, at this stage, the New Testament wasn't written. So what, what were they devoting themselves to? The apostles' doctrine, which, as I said, would have been the Jesus story. So as they gathered together, they told the story of Jesus over and over and over again. And as they would tell the story of Jesus, they would tell that it was not just the historical events that they were aware of from the, the announcement to Mary that she would be the mother of the Messiah to the birth of Jesus in Bethlehem and to his public ministry over those three years. But they because Jesus taught them this, they would also understand that the law and the prophets and the Psalms, that all of those things that they held dear as, as their scriptures, that these were all a revelation of Jesus as well. And so this is what they did. They gathered together and they spoke about Jesus to one another, wanting to just know everything that they could possibly know about him. Now, now think about it. When, when you hear a good story, you know, you don't just want to hear a good story once, right? You want to hear it over and over again. And you want to see even more of, of the detail of the story. You know, maybe it's a book you read or maybe it's a film that you've seen. You know, there, there are some books or some films that you, you might see and you think, oh, this is such an amazing story. And, and the more you read it or the more you see it, the more you realize, wow, there's, there's more to the story than I thought. So, so that's, that's really what they were doing. It was the Jesus story that they gathered around. They, in, in the best sense, they were obsessed with Jesus. And his story so moved their heart that they couldn't get enough of it. So they would gather together and they would also bring their friends. They would say to others, come and, and hear the, the Jesus story. Now they heard the story from Peter and that's how they ended up doing what they were doing, gathering together now on a regular basis. But initially they heard the story of Peter. They, they had like this vague idea. They'd heard about Jesus. They'd heard that there was this man who, you know, was a prophet and they, they'd heard that he had been crucified and all, but they didn't understand the significance of it until that day when Peter preached to them and he made the significance clear to them and then they embraced it. But then from that point on, they went on to tell the story. So as we look at them as Jesus people, we can say that they were also people of the word. And this is true of all Jesus people. When people really meet the true Jesus, they fall in love with the word of God. The Bible becomes a very 
important part of their lives. They realize that the Bible is not the word of men. The Bible is actually the word of God, that it's a place that we receive the revelation of God. It's a place where we receive our instruction on how to live. It's a place where we receive all of those great promises about what God uh, has in store for those who love him. The Jesus people are also Bible people. And every time in history where there's been a great work of the spirit and lots of people have turned to Jesus, you find this, this common thing. The Reformation, probably the most vital thing that it did was it brought the Bible back into the hands of the common person. You see, up until that point for many centuries, the Bible was sort of locked away and the church kept the average person from even having any access to it. But during the Reformation, the, the scriptures were translated into the common language. That's, it was then that it was translated into English from the Greek text. It was then it was translated into the common German language from the Greek text. And so this is always goes hand in hand. Jesus people are Bible people. You know, back in the 1970s here in our region here in Southern California and throughout the state, we have what is known now today as a, a Jesus people movement. And that's how those back then were being identified. Uh, it, it, you know, coincided with the, the counterculture movement, the hippie movement. People back then kind of already dressed like Jesus, at least what we thought that he might have looked like, you know, robes and long hair and beards and stuff like that. We don't know that Jesus actually dressed like that. But, you know, there were, there were people walking around. And I remember in those days looking at people and thinking, yeah, that, that guy kind of looks like Jesus, but he kind of looks like a freak too. So the, you know, the label Jesus freak was added on to that. And, you know, there, there was something to that. But the point that I'm making is one of the things that was really noticeable as well was everybody was carrying a Bible around. That's what was happening. People were, were walking around with Bibles. Now, when I was a kid, we had a Bible, but it was on the coffee table. You know, that's where it went. It was like a, a part of the decoration in the family. And you might read it sometimes, but, you know, it was there more for decoration. But suddenly, this Jesus thing is happening, and people are walking around with big old giant leather Bibles, and they're reading them wherever they went. And I actually happened to be part of that, so I was doing the same thing. But it's just consistent with what happens when people really meet Jesus. They become people of the word. The Bible becomes for them the absolute authority. It's no longer a question as to whether, well, I'm not sure if the Bible's really God's word or man's word. I don't, I'm not sure if I can trust it on this or if I believe it about that. No, for Jesus' people, the Bible becomes, this, this is God's word. And so that's what was happening with them. They devoted themselves to the scripture. They read it. They meditated on it. They studied it. It became the greatest source of influence in their lives because the story of Jesus captured their hearts. And let me just ask this question. Has the story of Jesus captured your heart? Do you long to hear more about him? Do you want to know him in a, in an ever increasing way? Because look, this is something that there's no into as far as the depth of it. 
The scripture tells us that God's riches are unsearchable, meaning that you can never exhaust them. So if, if we come to a place where we think, well, you know, I, I pretty much know enough about Jesus. I know as much as I need to know, I guess. Then we're, we're missing out on something really important. And that's that we can get to know him better and better and better. And so when the people of God come together as Jesus people, we should come together around the story of Jesus. That's what they did. But secondly, it says that they devoted themselves to fellowship. So to fellowship, this would be to the life of Jesus or, or to the Jesus lifestyle. You see, the story of Jesus wasn't uh, something they merely ascribed to intellectually. For them, it was a way of life. It was something to be practiced. And so it says that they came together in fellowship. And the word fellowship, I mentioned it before, the Greek word, it's a word that's a little bit hard to translate into English in the sense that there's no one English word that's going to do it absolute justice. But it could also, it, it could be understood as the common life. Coming together in Christ, having a common life together. Now here's something that's important to remember, that those who came together in this common life, they came from all different kinds of backgrounds. We'll talk more about that in a moment, but, but let's not forget that. You know, we sometimes in our modern context, we think of the Christian life being just for, you know, one certain type of person, maybe racially even. In some cases, some people think that, or some people think socially it's for one type of person, but that is not the case. But as they, they came together, because Jesus had the, the reputation, and it was a reality, that he went about doing good, so when they came together, that was part of their objective, to do good. So they came together, and it says that their lives were marked by bearing one another's burdens. They made sure that everybody was provided for and taken care of. We read here that no one considered anything to belong to themselves. Uh, they were no longer just looking out for themselves or for their own interest. Why was that the case? Because that wasn't the Jesus way. So they came together, and they, they sought to live out the Jesus lifestyle, that of doing good, that of helping, that of blessing, that of living for others rather than living for self. And this had a, a huge impact on the culture around them. You know, today we have um, not just the biblical account of what the Christians were like back in those days or how they lived, but we have, we have various other accounts from sometimes from Roman officials, uh, sometimes from philosophers of the day. A lot of people talked among themselves about what the Christians looked like in the culture because the Christians were so different. They were extraordinarily different than, than the culture that they were in. And in these discussions that we find that have come down to us today from these ancient sources, we find that there was consistently, even if they disagreed with the Christians, which most of them did, but there was consistently the acknowledgement that they lived extraordinarily compassionate, loving, helpful lives. That, that's the common 
testimony that, that comes down to us from the, the Roman writers, from the philosophers of the day. They, they saw that there was something about them, that they were living the Jesus lifestyle. So it was the Jesus story. It was the community life where they're living the Jesus lifestyle, the apostles' doctrine, the fellowship. It says, thirdly, that they were also breaking bread. And we pointed out before that breaking bread here is not simply a reference to breaking bread like having a meal. This, I think, is clearly a reference to what we commonly call the Lord's Supper. So this is something that they did as they gathered together. They regularly did this. And what they were doing is they were remembering the Jesus sacrifice. So do you get the point? Do you see how everything is about Jesus? It's the Jesus story and it's the Jesus life. And then this gathering around and, and remembering the Jesus sacrifice. Because, of course, that was the, really the key part of the story. That Jesus, this man who was born of this virgin Mary, that he was actually the son of God who came from heaven to earth for the main reason of offering up his life as a sacrifice for sin so the sins of mankind could be forgiven, so we could be reconciled to God and live in an eternal relationship with him. That's, that's the main message. And all of that happened through the sacrifice that Jesus made. So as they would come together, part of what they did was they would rehearse the death and the resurrection of Jesus over and over again to one another through partaking of the bread and the cup. Because that's what happens when we share that meal together, the bread and the cup. What are we doing? Paul tells us that we are remembering the Lord's death until he comes. And so that's what the Jesus people do. We tell one another the Jesus story. And in this particular case, we actually, in a sense, we sort of act out the Jesus story. That's what's happening because it was on the night that Jesus was betrayed. We read that he took bread and he broke it and he distributed it. And he said, take this and eat it, all of you, for this is my body, which is broken for you. And after that, it says that he took the cup and he passed it out and he said, drink this, all of you, for this cup is the new covenant in my blood that is shed for the remission of sins. So when we come together and we share in that bread and the cup, what we're doing is we, we're rehearsing once again the sacrifice of Jesus. We're reminding ourselves of what he did for us. And notice that this is, it's important to see here that this is a collective Experience. This is something that we do together. And it's also important to remember that we do this as every tribe and tongue and nation. You know, one of the amazing things about the gospel and about the Jesus story itself is that through Christ, all people are united together and made one. Now, human history is pretty much made up of divisions between peoples and conflicts that result from those divisions or conflicts that cause those divisions. And the world we live in today is pretty much just right on course with what human history has been like, right? We have division. 
we have tension, we have conflict, and it's sometimes socially based, sometimes it's racially based, sometimes it's politically based. But whatever the, the root cause of it, it's, it's basically a fragmentation of the human family. Well, Jesus came and offered himself to bring us not only to God, but to bring us together as one. And so when we gather together around the Jesus sacrifice and you are partaking of that bread and I am partaking of that bread, then that's what brings us together. So regardless of other things that might tend to want to separate us, that's what makes us one. And I think this is such an important thing to recognize, especially in this time, because there's tons of division in the country, around the world. But, you know, there's actually even division in the church because people are losing sight of Jesus. You know, if you lose sight of Jesus, if it's not really the Jesus story anymore, or, you know, but it becomes some other emphasis, then inevitably you're going to have a problem. And if you're no longer really looking to live the Jesus lifestyle, then that's going to create a problem too. And if we lose sight of the Jesus sacrifice that brings us all together collectively, that will actually result in the opposite of what God intends. So they came together around the Jesus sacrifice. They rehearsed it just as we do with the bread and the cup. And they gave thanks in um, Colossians, Paul writes there and he speaks of psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and he speaks of doing whatever you do in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. You know, the, the Greek words giving thanks are the word Eucharist. And so when we come together to share in the Jesus sacrifice, it's a time where we are giving thanks. We're thanking God collectively for what he's done for us. And as we're singing the psalms and the hymns and the spiritual songs, it, you know, it's like we're reminding one another. See, this is why it's so vitally important that we come together. Now, I'm a big fan of uh, the internet and all that you know, all, all of the benefits and blessings of it, you know, especially when it comes to the gospel getting out all around the world. But one of the downsides of the internet is how, you know, people think, well, you know, I don't really need to go to church anymore. I can just stay home and watch it online. Now, thank God for some people that is available because they actually are incapable of, of getting out. They're incapable of getting to church for, you know, different reasons. But I, I'm afraid that there are far too many people that they're perfectly capable to get out and to gather with God's people, but they choose not to because they can just sit and watch it online. Don't do that. God intends that we get together. Being together is a vital part of our, our Christian lives. And unless we're together, we can't really live the Jesus lifestyle too well, can we? How are we going to bear one another's burdens if we're not with one another? How are we going to know who's struggling? How are we going to know who's having a difficult time or a challenging time? Or how are we going to come alongside and help if we're not connected to people through fellowship? So this is what they did. They gathered and they 
gathered around the Jesus sacrifice. And then fourthly, the fourth thing it mentions here is the prayers. And I would call this the Jesus privilege. Do we know what an amazing privilege we have? The privilege of prayer. We have this privilege because of our relationship with Jesus. Remember, it was Jesus who taught us to pray, our Father in heaven. For the month of March, Back to Basics Radio is offering a timely resource titled One Minute Answers to Skeptics by Charlie Campbell. Has a skeptic in your life ever stumped you with questions regarding God, social ethics, or supposed contradictions in the Bible? Well, with this book, One Minute Answers to Skeptics, concise responses to the top 50 objections and questions by Charlie Campbell, you can be equipped to address the questions of skeptics on those exact topics and many others. If you want to be equipped to always be ready to give a defense of the faith, we encourage you to call us right now at 1-800-733-6443 or visit us online at backtobasicsradio.com. And when you give a gift to Back to Basics, we'll send you this book as our way to say thank you. We do appreciate your generous support of this ministry. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue tomorrow with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we study together in the book of Acts. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.